Welcome to the Ogletree Deacons Podcast, a brief discussion of compelling legal issues and practical insights. Please note that the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be, nor should it be construed as legal advice. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. Please enjoy the program. Welcome, everybody, back to another episode of Dirty Steel Toe Boots, a podcast by the law firm of Ogletree Deacons for employers and those in their legal, safety, and HR departments who need to better understand OSHA as an agency and the law that governs it. I'm your host, Philip Russell. I'm a shareholder in the Tampa office of the firm. I have a national practice in which I've handled around 200 fatality OSHA cases and hundreds of other kinds as well. We have one of the largest workplace safety and health practice groups in the country. We cover all 50 states with extensive experience with Fed OSHA and all the state OSHA plans as well. Our approach is simple, but perhaps not easy. We help clients avoid or minimize OSHA citations and improve safety. This podcast, as you all know, is about education, not about legal advice for specific circumstances. As an employer, it is important for you to know what you can and cannot do, but also to know what OSHA can and cannot do. You can't hope to hold the agency accountable to the law if you don't know something about the law yourself. So thanks for joining us today. And my guest today is my good friend and colleague, John Serma. He's a shareholder in our Houston office and like me, a prolific LinkedIn poster. So I'm sure some of you follow John. We have a lot of uh, overlap in our audiences. Uh, we, we like to, to get on LinkedIn as often as we can, if not daily, during the business week anyway, and share uh, updates, news, commentary, and other things about all things OSHA. So, John, my friend, welcome to Dirty Steel Toe Boots. Hey, Philip. Thank you for having me. I, I'm really looking forward to having this conversation with you. Well, it's an important issue that we're talking about today, and today's subject is, uh, I'm going to entitle it, No Group For You. A take on the uh, the '90s, uh, no soup for you, uh, Seinfeld episode, but uh, no group for you is something that we have seen. Uh, I think a bit of a surprise this year. We all did our prognostication about what to expect from OSHA, and I'm not sure any of us saw this one coming. But what happened here? What is this expansion of the instance by instance policy that we're going to talk about? What happened here, John? Well, so Philip, I, 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 number one, I, I completely and totally agree with you that this was something that kind of came out of the blue and nobody was anticipating. In a nutshell, what happened was on January 26th, late in the afternoon, January 26th was a Thursday, OSHA issued a press release and in that press release announced this issue instance by instance citation policy. And uh, along with the press release, there were two enforcement memoranda one related to kind of this convoluted uh, concept of discretion not to group, and then the other one uh, relating to the application of instance-by-instance penalty adjustments. Essentially what this means is, and, and maybe to break this down in its simplest form, is that what we've experienced from OSHA over the last few years, if not decades, is that OSHA has the discretionary authority when it issues a citation to group certain similar items together or multiple exposures for workers together such that you have one item in the citation or at least a grouped item where you may have one A, one B, and one C instead of one, two, and three and the accompanying proposed penalties. Am I right about that? That's correct. Except back in 1986, 
OSHA issued a CPL that applied to certain fat cat situations, certain egregious willful situations where instance by instance citations could be issued. The January 26, 2023 memoranda expands the scope of the circumstances where instance by instance can be applied. But to your point, yes, typically OSHA groups, and this seems to be a move away to instance by instance. So you're going to receive separate citations for every employee that's exposed, potentially for every machine that's not guarded, for every active lockout tagout that was not proper, et cetera. So one of the most immediate impacts I think we're going to see is higher penalties. And and we all know that now OSHA every January increases the proposed penalty cap for each category of violation, you know, an incremental amount, you know, three to five percent. This has the possibility though, and really the intent here seems to be to to exponentially increase penalties. And and let me give you an example. I'm looking at a citation right now that has four separate items. Three of the four items are under trenching standards. And I, this is one that I would have expected at least one or two of those items to be grouped, but they're not. Again, no group for you under this new policy. And and I know they say they're waiting 60 days, but this one's just fresh in. And I, I think it reflects where the agency's going. So instead of having two items with 14,000 and change for the proposed penalties, there are four. So you go from essentially 28,000 to $56,000. Do you see that too, John? Is that what you're expecting to start us to start seeing more higher proposed penalties geometrically increased? Yeah. I mean, look, it's just simple math. You know, you, you take a situation where you receive one citation with one penalty and you multiply that one penalty amount by now three, five, ten, or whatever the instances is, you know, it, it skyrockets the amount of penalty exposure that employers have. You know, to your point relative to, you know, has this already happened? You know, the application of the instance by instance citation policy memo supposedly doesn't go into effect for 60 days, but the memo relating to exercising the discretion not to group, the way it's drafted, it went into effect as soon as it was issued. So that is already active as it's currently drafted. So to your point, if you receive citations after January 26, 2023, there's a good chance that you're not going to have the grouping that was done in the, in the past. Well, and one no. impact I think we've got to address, John, is, is press releases, right? I mean, we've seen the agency over various, you know, different administrations over the last few decades issue press releases when there's a certain minimum proposed penalties. I think at one point it's 40,000. It does seem to shift. But if you're basing whether or not to issue a press release on a citation on the dollar figure, you're now going to have far more press releases based on this policy. And if you look at the enforcement memoranda relating to the instance by instance citation policy, the, the closing sentence says, following issuance of IBI citations, OSHA will issue a press release for the purpose of furthering deterrence. So yeah, absolutely. I think in every case where there's an IBI citation, you're going to see a press release. This is all of the sticks and none of the carrots to ensure compliance and, and to ensure that employers are doing what OSHA thinks they need to do. 
Yeah, I think uh, absolutely seeing a lot more uh, sticks than carrots out of the agency this year, to be sure. Uh, other issues we've talked about this year on other podcast episodes. Uh, last last episode, I talked to our colleague Frank Davis about, you know, allowing uh, folks onto the job site for inspections that are not employees of the company that are also not legally represented, legally recognized representative of the workers. So, definitely seeing a lot more stakes come out of the agency in 2023. What do you think, John? About okay, we now have the IBI citations. We have a lot more higher proposed penalties. What impact do you think this is going to have on the negotiating phase? So let's say it's this citation, the one I'm looking at here, has been issued. Does it mean how does that going to impact our ability to, to help clients go through an informal settlement conference? Do you think it's going to make it harder to negotiate or easier to negotiate? What do you think? Personally, I think it makes it easier simply because the stakes are bigger. And when the stakes are bigger, there's more room for both sides to move. And it makes it easier for folks to kind of meet in the middle. Having said that, however, if our clients are looking to you know, basically negotiates 10 items down to one, chances are that's not going to happen. There's just, there's too many citations for OSHA to move that far. And I think OSHA is going to be motivated to hold on to them. Now, the question I think is ultimately going to come down to, you know, how busy are the solicitors and, and are they overloaded? And if they're overloaded, I think there's going to be some pushing down to the area offices to, to negotiate further resolutions, make more cases go away. Yeah, it seems to me that in, in really in any negotiation, if the parties start off further apart, I guess on the one hand, you could say there's more room for negotiation if, if the citations have more items. But that really seems to me to depend on whether or not the area offices are going to be willing to, to group items after they have been issued in the citation and during the settlement process, or are they going to be, you know, will they delete items? And, and I think that I guess we'll find out as as time goes on whether or not they're going to have that kind of discretion post issuing of the citation. Oh, absolutely. And and you know, one of the things that the enforcement memorandum make clear is that national and regional solicitors of labor are going to be taken out of some of the de- decision making and some of the process and so, you know, there's going to be a lot more discretion in terms of the regional administrators, area directors. And, you know, it's unclear. There's not a corresponding memo about what to do relative to negotiating these out. You know, I find it's it's sometimes really difficult when you have, you know, say a two citation other than serious mid-range penalty. You know, client wants to get that down to an other than serious on one. You know, there's not a lot of room to give and take. And when you have a bunch of citations, there's going to be room to give and take. But at the end of the day, I think clients are still going to end up way above where they're going to want to be or where they would currently want to be at the end of that negotiation. And I think you're going to see more and more cases where we're going to have to contest them. Here's the good news for employers is OSHA doesn't always, OSHA doesn't decide if OSHA got it right. So we still are going to have the review commission, the Occupational Safety and Health Review Commission, or OSHRIC, or which is shortened to the review commission. We will see, I think, is what you're prognosticating here, my friend, is that you think we'll see more contested citations and more litigation asking the review commission to to look over OSHA's shoulders. Absolutely. And, and, and my expectation is kind of a corresponding middle step is that 
the regional solicitors of labor are going to have this big bump up in cases and they're going to be going back to their clients, the area directors and the regional administrator and saying, hey, look, you know, you can't go completely crazy with this because we don't have the people to handle all these cases. And so, I, you know, I hope that there's some kind of moderation that's applied, because if this is used in every case, things are just going to come to a screeching halt. Employers aren't going to be willing to resolve cases OSHA is going to be unable to resolve cases, and, and this litigation is going to get stretched out from year and a half, two years to you know five years to dispose of a case. You know, something I thought that, that might be a, a similar move here by the agency, but I'm going to stretch back to last year. You remember how OSHA sent out an updated version of its severe violator enforcement program, the SVEP. I'm looking at the criteria here for instance by instance citations and when it gets triggered and I can't help but read this list and think back upon what OSHA said in the SVEP that they are putting more employers or classifying more employers as severe violators and at the same time subjecting them to the instance by instance citation policy. So it seems that the stakes or as you said earlier the stick has gotten to be a lot bigger. Oh, yeah. Although, and I had one of the first employers in the state of Texas to end up on the SVEP list. And, you know, kind of depends upon the sector that the employer is in and, you know, what their customers and clientele demand of them. But, you know, in my experience, getting on that list is not really necessarily that great of a stick in the OSHA arsenal. Um, Certainly for some employers, it's a bigger stick than for others. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's, you know, between SVEP, between instance by instance citation policy and some of the other things that seem to be underfoot at the agency, yeah, I think it's more and more about cracking down employers to make sure that clients exists. You know, where this ultimately goes remains to be seen. But I, I do anticipate a lot of clients are going to be contesting citations going forward. Yeah, and by the way, folks, just uh, and, and as an additional resource here, John wrote a fantastic uh, blog post for our uh, for the Ogletree webpage. You ought to check it out. Uh, it's called OSHA announces significant expansion of instance by instance citation policy. But if you just do OSHA Ogletree and John Serma, I'm sure you'll find it. But John has set forth there these criteria we're talking about, the criteria for application of the policy. And what struck me, John, when you look at the the seven items that OSHA sets forth, if I were to summarize them all in in a brief or sort of an overall classification, it would be, what does your history look like? Because a lot of these items go to whether or not the employer was aware of the hazard, either directly or through industry knowledge or past citations. What have they done to address it? But really, it gets into a matter of, you know, almost a, uh, they even use the word here, bad faith in performance of your duties taken as a whole based on the employer's conduct over time. That's what struck me as being something that would be similar to SFEP and would really begin to give the agency some tools for targeting employers that the agency believes do not take safety seriously. That's originally from the 1986 CPL. And, and that CPL doesn't go away. This is this enforcement memoranda. Th- these are modifications of that. And you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it you know, it, it really is a heavy look into 
you know, what is the employer's history? What have they done in the past? Do they show, for lack of a better term, kind of intentional disregard for employee health and safety? You know, the big modification that I think comes from these new enforcement memoranda is the fact that, you know, rather than having to be willful or egregious willful, you know, you're now talking about situations where it can be a, a lower severity of citation and it can be things that didn't even result in actual employee injury, just exposure. So as a, for instance, lockout tagout violation, trenching and excavation violations, machine guarding violations, that sort of thing, where it's a much broader, nobody's actually been injured, but you know, we've got 22 machines that are all lacking the same guard. Those are the situations where I think this is going to come to a head most rapidly. And these are the situations where I think employers, because of the impact, are going to be in a much tougher position relative to uh, having to fight with OSHA. So one of the analytical points we always go through with, with clients when dealing with a citation is whether or not settling or resolving a citation could increase the likelihood in the future of the client getting a repeat. And so here it seems, though, that one maybe one other consideration employers should be considering when looking at a citation and whether to resolve one is its impact through this new policy or through, really through this dusted off, freshened up, rolled out policy that says there we don't have to even find a repeat on you in the future or something as a same or similar violation. We're going to look at your history in determining whether or not to group citation items and get to the same place we were going anyway. We just don't have to prove whether there was something same or similar. We just have to show you had a bad history. Oh, absolutely. And I think if you look at the memo that's kind of clumsily worded that ultimately says you have discretion not to group citations, I don't even think the area offices are under the uh, mandate that they have to look at history or anything else. They just they're, they're just being told you don't have to to group citations anymore. Feel free to go ahead and do an instance by instance. And so I think that the the bar is even lower than you've described. That makes it something that just it gives employers, I think, a higher level of scrutiny on citation items and trying to resolve them with the agency, even if the employer may believe that it needs to get resolved. This sounds to me like an additional level of consideration employers have to put on the table when looking at a citation and its impact on the future. And Philip, I'm sure your experience is much like my experience where you know, particularly if you're talking, you know, ten to thirty thousand dollars, a lot of our clients look at the penalties and they look at what it's going to cost to to fight the citation, or or even, quite frankly, have one of us participate in kind of the lead up to the informal conference and the informal conference, and they basically, you know, to use this expression, think that the juice isn't worth the squeeze. Now, I think you know that that calculus is going to change, and you're in certain circumstances going to see a situation where prior to these memos coming out, you know, you'd be talking about a $15,000 citation, but because you had 10 employees on that construction site, all exposed to that same fall hazard uh, without appropriate protection, you know, now it's $150,000. And, you know, suddenly the, the dollars and cents relating to dealing with that citation, you know, basically compel the employer to, to, 
take action that they wouldn't otherwise have done. You know, it strikes me sometimes, John, doing this podcast and all the, the LinkedIn stuff and the conferences and speeches you and I do, we rarely are the bearers of good news for employers. And uh, unfortunately, it sounds like we have yet more here, some cautionary news to share with employers that we have an agency that uh, with this with this approach, with SVEP, and with all the other actions that we expect all, um, OSHA to be a lot more aggressive, not only in the number of inspections, but the magnitude and impact of those inspections and citations going forward. Does that sound about right to you? Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, with some of the things relative to, you know, the involvement of labor, et cetera, you know, not only are you going to have the agency that's going to kind of be leaning in that direction, but there's going to be some push by outside actors that are, is going to either hold the agency to being more aggressive or is going to compel the agency, uh, you know, to kind of placate the, the, the labor folks. Uh, you know, taking those directions. And, and I, I think that, you know, employers who, you know, maybe have considered to date, uh, you know, what's the actual exposure that I face if I get inspected by OSHA and get some citations, I think they need to reanalyze that calculation you know, and think about, you know, if you've got 10 person crews and all 10 people are exposed to that excavation that's not protected, you know, that's now 10 times whatever the penalties would have otherwise been as opposed to one single penalty. And so I think that that calculus changes things significantly. So John, as we wrap up here, what are your thoughts about some action items that employers should consider in light of this development? Well, Philip, first of all, thank you for having me here on Dirty Steel Toe Boots. Um, I I got three uh, action items that I'd recommend employers consider. First of all is, you have a good solid relationship with counsel that'll represent you through the OSHA proceedings. Uh, you don't want as OSHA is knocking on your door to be, you know, getting into the yellow pages uh, to the extent you even still have yellow pages and start looking up OSHA lawyers and interviewing them. So you really want to have a good solid relationship with your counsel leading up to that. Second thing I would say is it would behoove employers to consider doing an analysis of their health and safety program and make sure that their health and safety program is up to date, is relevant, is current, and is consistent with what they're doing. And the third piece would be that employers actually take a look at the implementation of that health and safety program and make sure that at their work sites, at the construction sites that they're doing work, wherever their, their folks are actually doing the work, that that program is being followed and is being followed consistently and in a way that's consistent with the health and safety program and, and compliance. And, and if, if employers are doing all three of those, at least the extent that you can be prepared for an OSHA inspection, they should be in pretty good shape. Well, thank you, John. My closing comment is this. I think that employers who are looking to uh, avoid or minimize citations and have safer workplaces, there's more here to consider when it comes to enforcement as opposed to uh, a more of a collaborative relationship with the agency. Right now, it is definitely very heavy on the enforcement side. So thanks for joining me today, John. I appreciate it very much. Uh, folks, we will be uh, continuing to do uh, future episodes of Dirty Steel Toe Boots to try and help you understand as employers what you can and cannot do, but also what OSHA can and cannot do under the law. And our job here is not to fight the agency, but hold them accountable to the law. John, thank you very much. 
Thank you, Philip. Thank you for joining us on the Ogletree Deacons podcast. You can subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. And remember, the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as legal advice.